Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Warren Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Jankowski, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Nicholas Kopp, U.S. CEO of N26. In Europe, N26 is a fully licensed mobile bank offering an effortless, sleek user experience with no hidden fees. It's grown to serve over 3.5 million customers across 24 markets and recently launched in the U.S. with a mobile banking app and Visa debit card together with Axos Bank. Under Nick's leadership, the U.S. team has grown to over 50 people dedicated to building a banking product that lets American consumers live and bank their way. Nick originally joined N26 in 2015 as one of its first employees, heading up business development and operations, which he built from the ground up. Prior to N26, Nick spent several years at Morgan Stanley. Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Peter. So could you start by telling us about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us on the show. Uh, so in terms of my background, I'm Swiss originally, so I've uh, lived a good chunk of my life in uh, around Switzerland. Um, and uh, I think you mentioned it qu- quickly in the intro, um, I spent a few years at Morgan Stanley uh, in London and Hong Kong, uh, spending more time on the more traditional banking side, investment banking and capital markets. I uh, got to know the finance uh, world uh, from that perspective and then meant to switch over to number 26 at the time. N26 was called number 26. We did shorten the name um, at some stage to be catchier um, and, and joined number 26 slash N26 in 2015. Uh, helped uh, the founders build the European business first, uh, launch a few products, launch a few markets, um, and then moved over to the US here around two years by now. Um, to do basically the same thing and 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 uh, build N26, hire a team, build the product, f- find the right partners, um, and uh, eventually release the product into market on the 11th of July this year. That's great. That's great. And you have a unique vantage point having seen the, uh, the, the consumer banking market both in Europe and the U.S., so excited to get into that with you. Uh, but maybe for those who are less familiar with N26, could you start by just telling us about N26? Yeah. So N26 is uh, one of the challenger banks. I think the, the, the people in the industry created a new category for us, um, a challenger bank, uh, which means uh, basically that we're offering a banking service that we've built from the ground up that has a completely different approach than your traditional banks. Um, so I think traditionally uh, banking institutions um, struggled a little bit with uh, uh, engineering or te- technical innovation. Um, and you see that uh, pretty clearly today where a lot of Traditional incumbent banks are still in legacy cores and really struggle to innovate and are a little bit stuck in their own ways. Um, and when we founded N26, um, the, the company was founded by Maximilian and Valentin um, in 2013. Um, they sort of saw the state of the industry at that time, which is still true today to an extent, but and at the same time saw all the other industries around the consumer, such as transportation, uh, entertainment, um, uh, change really radically, like with Uber coming up, Lyft here in the US, perhaps same with Netflix, Spotify, um, Hulu, all these brands and, 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 and consumer products have really been built only in recent years on the, on the, way, on, on the back of the wave of a lot of technical, uh, technological innovation that has happened. Um, you can do everything and anything on your mobile phone today. Um, and that sort of change that has happened in other industries didn't fully manifest as much in the traditional banking um, sector and that gap they've spotted um, and built a consumer mobile banking product that's fast and easy to use at no cost to customers. Um, and so that concept has really resonated hugely in Europe. To your point, we have now three and a half million customers are one of the fastest growing banks. That's great. That's a lot of growth. 
So you, you've been with N26 for a few years now. Could you tell us a little bit about when you first launched? Was it with a current account and debit card? And, and how has the product evolved since, uh, since you first launched? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, so the product has evolved a fair bit um, and is evolving a fair bit. Um, uh, and at the same time, also the industry is changing a fair bit. So there's a lot of interesting things going on. On the product side, um, the, 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 the heart or the sort of foundation on which the product is built hasn't changed. So for example, we want an easy and fast product. It takes in the US, it takes now five minutes to sign up for an account completely on your mobile phone. That I'd argue is fast and easy. Um, same mantra that we had we had for Europe back in the days, where it took a little longer to sign up, but still the same concept. Where I think our tagline in the early days was eight minutes to sign up for an account. So we reduced that slightly, um, uh, but still already back then that was that was really fast and convenient. Um, so innovation around the ease of use um, is is definitely uh, something that we're focusing on to make the product as. Sign up being one example, as fast and easy to use and sort of focus on that front. Um, another uh, uh, area that we're focused on heavily is uh, product breadth. Um, so when we started out in Europe, we only had one product line, which was a checking account and, current, uh, checking account, um, and debit card. And have since then in Europe evolved that product significantly to a multiple tiered product, like a freemium model like Spotify would have, where you have a standard free tier and then you have two premium tiers that people pay for with better looking cards with metal cards with additional services features um, insurance packages added to them um, and so we have now three segments in terms of products one free one and two paid tiers um, and and that's for example one key evolution that we've made and we've also added a lot of other financial products like we have a partnership with transferwise where you can transfer money internationally easily uh, we we have a, a product uh, that lets you um, in germany for example help you manage your insurance wallets more easily so there's a lot of um, product growth that we've had uh, on that front as well and so taking this back for example to the U.S. as an analogy, uh, fast and easy is definitely still a core focus area with our five-minute sign-up. And on the product side, we just started out with our standard product here, so we're going through a similar evolution. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So can you tell us more about what your your core customer looks like? Is it a millennial type of customer who's attracted to the simplicity and the transparency behind the product, mm -hmm. or is it someone who's, uh, as you've grown with different product features, who's attracted to some of the different uh, features that you might offer, for example, the TransferWise partnership? that you mentioned? Yeah, good question. So what's surprising, and let me talk about Europe first. So what's surprising in Europe, often to people that ask me about, you know, again, what's, what's your customer like, yeah. is that actually the customer demographics is a fair bit older than people wouldn't usually expect. So more than 40% of our customers are actually older than 35 years. Um, so it's not just the early adopter tech heads, um, not even millennials, Gen Z, whatever, like just straight out of college people. It is really a fairly broad spectrum of people that just want to do banking on their mobile phones. So that is that is the how the sort of demographic or the age distribution would look like uh, in Europe. So we have definitely a few younger people as well. Like with students, we have young professionals, but we also have um, families, for example, on our accounts. In the US, however, in this current phase that we're in, we have a beta wait list of more than 100,000 customers. These customers that we have here in the very early days are skewing a little bit more to the younger side I and mean, are also more people that would know us from Europe or are really in tune with the latest tech innovations. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we skew a little bit away from mainstream still. I'm talking about the first couple of weeks. Uh, but I think long term, I expect that actually something similar to happen where N26 will be used as we build out our products and features by anyone who wants to do mobile 
banking on the smartphone, fast and easy at no cost. Got it. Really want to dig into the uh, the U.S. launch with you, mm -hmm. but before we get there, curious for the thinking on why the U.S. I know that in 26 it's expanded over Europe at this point. How did you think about your international expansion starting from where you were in Germany originally? Yeah, um, uh, good question. So I think the European expansion was driven also uh, by a lot of regulatory change that has happened in Europe over the last couple of years where there is a lot of harmonization going on, where there's a huge push if you, for example, traditionally or back in the days, if you had a German banking license, you could actually not offer your product in France. But with the EU and the harmonization changes that are going on on that front, it is now easier for German bank to offer financial services products also in France. Um, and so N26 was one of the early players taking advantage of that harmonization because our whole business model revolved around having no branches and only a strong mobile product, which is obviously a lot easier to internationalize versus then you have to go buy real estate on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, <laughs> right? So from that perspective, um, uh, that, that has driven a lot of the European rollout is driven by the fact that there's a lot going on the regulatory side and there's harmonization across the European Union. Now in the US, um, you can, I think, Overly simplified, there's two broad buckets that we look at when we look at which markets to go into. Number one is size, and number two is the user and the competitive products that the user uses currently. And so from on these two axes, the US um, scored really well, where um, you have a very large addressable market here in the United States. Uh, you have state-by-state -state laws at times, but um, we work with a nationally chartered bank, so that preempts some of the local uh, state rules. Um, and so you have basically through one bank license or one bank partner, you can address a large market in the United States that is also very tech savvy. Like, I forget what the latest stats are, but like a majority of people have a smartphone to use and they're used to using the apps um, on their phones and, and are used to using services and consume services on their phones, which is uh, very progressive when you compare it, for example, to some of the other countries across the globe. So it's really the, the size of the addressable market. Um, and then the other axis around the current user behavior and products that they currently resort to out there also made the US interesting. So there's definitely a lot of fintech activity going on and you have some cool brands popping up on, on the West Coast and, and cool products that I personally also use. But if you look at the larger banking landscape, the apps and infrastructure that people use today is lagging behind still. Um, and a lot of services like Venmo pop up because of some of the lacking infrastructure uh, that you have because people don't have a way through like the Federal Reserve to make real-time payments, for example. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that is just one example around some of the infrastructure now changing as well, but being uh, lagging a little bit, bit behind in terms of innovation. Um, and then also on the consumer front, I think consumers have a high mistrust since the financial crisis in financial like incumbent brands. And again, some of the products that they're using of these banks they may all have a mobile app, but it's not. It doesn't feel as nice and easy to use as Instagram, Netflix, or Hulu. It's still an app that works, but it, it's it's lagging three, four, five years in terms of innovation. Yeah. So these axes again, addressable market and what users use today and what the competitive landscape is, um, then led us uh, to that conclusion that the US is a very attractive um, uh, sort of geographical area for us to expand into and offer our product to end consumers. Both points definitely resonate, and especially the infrastructure point. I've heard from some of my peers at Warren who um, come from outside the U.S. that we really lag behind on that front. Mm -hmm. So for the U.S. specifically, you touched on a little bit, touched on this a little bit earlier in terms of the product that you're launching with. Mm -hmm. But 
Is it um, a core consumer checking account with the debit card at this point? Is that the core product that you're launching with? And can you talk a little bit about the how you thought about launching with that product and maybe what you're thinking about uh, in terms of what comes next? Yeah. So the short description of the product is a checking account with a Visa debit card sponsored by Access Bank. Um, it takes five minutes to sign up, so super easy on your mobile phone. It's an account that has no hidden fees, no monthly account charges, no minimum balances required. Uh, so it's very attractive from that perspective and offers two or three really cool features. These features include, for example, Spaces, which is a way for us to create real-time, literally with a swipe of a finger on your phone, sub-accounts, where you can then categorize your own money and, and create like sub-pockets of money where you can save for a specific purpose, a trip to Thailand, a new MacBook, whatever it may be, and you literally swipe money on your phone. So that's Spaces, I think a feature that has hugely popular with our three and a half million customers in Europe and that I see also very strong early traction already with our users here. Um, another feature that people like a lot already is the fact that within 26, you can get your paycheck paid in two days earlier than with the traditional banks. Um, and uh, through some operational and technical uh, implementations that we ran on our side, it's now basically when you, if you used to get your paycheck on Friday, you would now get it on Wednesday. Um, and that is that is an interesting feature, especially if you get paid twice a month, for example, here in the U.S. versus in Europe, you only get paid once a month. Um, so I think that that's a very attractive feature. And then something that may sound a little bit old school, but is still relevant, I think, to customers is the fact that we offer two free ATMs nationwide. Um, so a lot of our newer competitors and, and players in the space still charge for ATMs or have fairly limited coverage. And we took the decision at N26 that we want to take the headache out of finding the right ATMs and is it in network or outside of network? doesn't matter. You get two free ATMs free of charge per month wherever you go um, in the US. So from that perspective, we hope that's enough for a customer to with who doesn't like live or use cash every day. Two times a month is enough to get the cash that you need to to. to to live because you pay everything by card anyways um, and at the same time uh, offer the convenience of just going anywhere versus like pick and choose your ATM. Got it. Yeah, that's quite a robust offering. And I realize that you're you're in the midst of launching now, so quite focused on the launch, but mm -hmm. any thoughts that you can share on what comes next after this in terms of additional features yep. or, or different products? So one thing I'm personally really excited about is the features that we're going to release called Perks which is uh, our way of, of a rewards program um, on, on N26. And uh, I, I can't indulge in all the details yet because we're not public around that program um, announcement to follow shortly. But the idea behind is that we give you money back or have you save money on your most loved subscriptions. So the millennial generation, the younger generation, I'm prone to that myself. I tend to have a fair bit of subscriptions for all different types of services. Um, and then with N26, um, we want to basically sweeten you getting some of these subscriptions uh, with, with, with a little bit of a reward or perk, how we call it, on these subscriptions. So I can't, can't indulge in more details, but that's sort of uh, our um, way of thinking about rewards and cashback, which is very prevalent here. That's great. Love the idea of perks. If I can <laughs> save on my Netflix subscription, that's great. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a unique vantage point in that you've been with N26 for a few years now, uh, and you've seen launches both in Europe and now you've been responsible for launching in the US. I'm curious for your thoughts on what are the major differences that you've seen in the consumer banking market in Europe and, and the US? Yeah. Um, so when I moved over from Europe uh, to the United States, our company is headquartered in Berlin, so I moved from Germany two things that really struck me 
at the highest level, there's a lot of nuances and differences between consumer behavior and, and the markets, but at the highest level, it's two things. I think propensity to save and how much or like cashback rewards. Um, so I think on the first point, I was surprised to see that, and you see that also in stats, like savings rates between Europe and Europe, it's hard to generalize because it really depends again on continental Europe versus the UK and other markets, but very generalized, the savings rates in the U uh, US are a fair bit lower than they are in Europe. Um, so I think helping users here in the US, helping them save and put money aside for things they truly care about and love uh, is it will be an important um, uh, ingredient to a successful financial product. So for example, Spaces, Spaces um, uh, is, is our first lead in into that uh, area uh, where we want to help people save and put money aside, again, in an easy way. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Um, and then the second observation that I'm, uh, I, I made, and I, I call it today like this concept of you earn as you spend, um, I found quite interesting here in the US where you get cashback rewards left, right, and center on different cards. And people are acutely aware of what kind of points and, and rewards they're getting depending on which card they use. Um, and so from that perspective, I found that quite interesting. Um, it obviously relates to the fact that there's higher interchange here in the US right, yeah, uh, than there is in, in Europe and also some acceptance of credit cards is lower in Europe. But that is also a really clear difference coming from Europe to the US that, um, uh, that I found out about. Um, and our answer at N26 to that is the Perks program that we're re releasing a first version of. Uh, pretty soon um, and 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 uh, I think that will be interesting um, uh, for customers uh, as, as, as we develop that program and on the more operational side you mentioned your partnership with Axos Bank mm -hmm. how did you think about partnering with an existing player versus launching with uh, you know seeking your own charter to yeah. launch or, or something along those lines obviously thought about this this is a it's a really uh, hard fork in the road for for a company um, like do you get pursue your own regulatory charter um, in our space or partner with a bank um, we thought long and hard about it uh, but the conclusion was actually similar to the conclusion that we had back in Europe in the days um, it is faster to release a product in a new market with a partner bank together because a we can learn from that partner bank um, and and have have that, that strong partner with a local knowledge also around fraud and all the peculiarities around rules and regulations here in the u.s market i think that's one advantage of going with a partner bank and then the other one um and makes things faster but also um your decisions are more informed uh, if you work with a strong partner and the second element uh, to me uh, in that decision or the reason why we went with a partner is the regulatory framework uh, to get your own license in the US is for startups is not as th there's not a clear path basically yes there's the OCC fintech charter um, and yes VARO money just has is on a good track to um, I get the I guess they got the pre preliminary approval and they're now implementing things um, uh, but I think from that perspective just a timeline effort and and the uncertainty around that process was a little bit of a deterrent um, and so we went the same strategy that we're uh, taking and uh, took in Europe in the day back in the days go with a partner and then evaluate on an ongoing basis whether it makes sense to switch on to over to your own license at some stage or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And Varo is definitely unique in being one of the only challenger banks to seek their own license. So you've spoken a little bit to some of the differences between the US market and the European market and, and some of the decisions you've made on the operational side and how to launch. Any other big surprises or challenges that you've had to work through as you've, as you've launched in the US? 
Uh, good question. I mean, we had a lot of challenges, obviously. I mean, we're, st- you, you, we're starting a business, um, uh, so uh, there's a lot of speed bumps. Um, I think one overarching challenge as well that I thought was actually surprising, but maybe also not so surprising in hindsight, is how hard it was to hire a team. So by now we're over 50 people here in the United States in, in our New York office. Um, but it took some time to gather that a team that we currently have. Um, and uh, what I found interesting coming over from Europe, which is also a competitive market for the best tech talent and the best product people, marketeers, whatever it may be, business, legal. Um, I think the, um, uh, the, the market in New York, especially, and also in the Bay Area, as I hear from my friends, um, is very competitive around finding good talent. And us coming into the market back in the days with only having raised a Series B at the time, uh, which, again, was a great achievement for the company, but it's not the profile that we have today with our Series D and very um, uh, good valuation that we can be proud of, right? Or at least sort of over a billion and having that unicorn status, um, I think is, is helpful for awareness. But coming into the market without these buzz, buzzy, like, you know, valuation X, fundraising Y, investor Z, um, and, and or a product that's life in market um, was, uh, was a little bit of a challenge for us to actually assemble that team in the beginning. And that actually might be a good segue to talk a little bit about culture. I'm curious if you could describe the culture at N26 a little bit. Um, I've come across some of your... Uh, your descriptions of getting stuff done days mm-hmm. uh, that sound intriguing but curious how you describe you know, the culture of working here yeah um, I think that describes it quite well so getting uh, you can you can imagine what the S was stood for back in the days <laughs> um, uh, get stuff uh, sh- done um, uh, back in the days uh, uh, but we changed that a little bit um, to to make it more compatible uh, for, for a wider audience but this, the same spirit still remains so we are here to move things forward challenge status quo. Um, we're innovating in an industry uh, that is highly regulated and is dominated by legacy players. So I, it takes a lot of energy and effort to come up with new products, better products, faster products, um, and come up with that product innovation for our end consumers while staying within the boundaries of, of what's allowed and, and what should be done and what's safe, secure. From a risk perspective, there's so many different elements and angles, something also that excites me personally a lot because complexity is quite high. But what I, the, in terms of culture, what that means is we, we, you really need to get stuff done every day, challenge status quo, push forward, move forward as fast as you can and as much as you can. Um, and I think that's a really exciting process for all of us to go through. Um, and if you combine that with a team that is at least the culture that I'm trying to, to, to sort of establish here and that we have at a global level is, is really open in terms of feedback, hierarchies. Like nothing really matters from that perspective as long as you're moving the company forward and you're doing the right thing by your colleagues and, and ethical standards. It's really that sort of openness to, to giving each other feedback, openness to new approaches, openness to the ways of interacting, trying new th- ways of working together. Um, I think co- combine that with that sort of rigorous challenging of status quo striving for that excellence together um, uh, creates a really f- fun and, and stimulating place to work I think for for the team here and the company globally yeah I bet and to your point earlier is really valuable in an industry that is very regulated and probably hasn't seen as much innovation as lots of other consumer facing industries over the past few years yeah that yeah. that's what you would hope and again we're doing this not for our own good but for to your point our customers goods right so having that interaction having the openness and, and challenging things together with your customers and ask them for the true opinion and how can we make this better and 
is this really what you want? And like, let's think about this once more together with our customers is, is, is what, what makes us pretty strong, I think. Yeah. And so you spoke to this um, a little bit earlier in the U.S., but when you were describing a decision to enter the U.S., you spoke to both the, the size and some of the competitive dynamics mm-hmm. in the U.S. and just uh, the, the user experience that customers here are used to and, and the ability to innovate on that. Could you um, talk a bit more on how you see the market in the U.S. evolving? What, what do you think's next in consumer banking in the U.S.? Where do you see the market going from here? So I, and I'm obviously, this is obviously biased by my own and, and N26's view, but I do sense a strong trend um, of integrating sort of the banking and financial services, which is the backbone to a lot of that we do. Like we need to buy and purchase things on an everyday basis multiple times, right? Whether this is a small snack or a chewing gum or all the way up to your health insurance and, and where you live. Like these, is, these are all financial decisions. Um, I do see a trend where that strong backbone is merging with that element of lifestyle and consumption, right? Like we want to, like there's no reason why uh, uh, why in your your bank uh, shouldn't be also offering certain other services that you need or a, a better for example if you pay for your cable tv or probably not anymore but like if you you have a netflix hulu and whatever subscription um i think there is a world where the bank then can advise you which one is actually the best provided for you and why and where you get a better deal potentially and really that confluence of sort of the lifestyle consumption element and banking where you spend your money into one single platform that is highly customized. I Every user has a slightly different interface and app depending on their spending behaviors and who they are. It's highly customized and highly contextual. I This is relevant for you right now, not like you get a statement or letter at the end of the month that would apply like, I don't know, for something that you've done 60 days ago that is highly contextual where you at right now, highly customized. And, and bringing, again, the consumption element, lifestyle element, together with where you have your money, where you spend and bank, I think that sort of confluence um, is, is where the industry will go and where N26 will, will tra- play a big role in. That's great. I love that idea. I'm just imagining what banks could do if they understood the holistic picture of my financial health and what I like to spend on and just the opportunities that can unlock in terms of adding value for me, but also you know for N26. So, Nick, to end on a personal note, could you tell us about what you do for fun in your free time? Yeah, sure. I like the change uh, of topics. Um, so, uh, I am. Um, what do I like to do for fun? So, I love everything related to board sports. So, I'm uh, being from Switzerland, and this is a little bit cliche. Um, I used to snowboard a lot when I was younger, um, and literally spent my um, days uh, in in high school on the slopes, uh, more on the slopes than I was studying probably. Um, And so snowboarding is a huge passion of mine here in New York. That's a little bit more difficult, but I pick up surfing and uh, to the surprise of some of my colleagues here who don't think the water is very clean in New York, um, (laughs) go surfing um, uh, out in Long Island where I think the water is clean enough um, uh, every weekend when I can in summer and also in winter with wetsuits. That's great. I was going to ask where you surf in New York City, but uh, that, that makes sense. That explains it. Uh, all right. Well, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate this. Uh, it was great to speak with you and best of luck. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Peter.